Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Southwest Airlines becomes the last major carrier to say no to Peacock's. Flights to Hawaii are really on sale, and United has found another way to shuffle the average traveler further back on the plane. Your phone can really be your friend when you travel now in your uh, smarter and our smarter traveler segment coming up at 3:20 Mark's going to tell you when to take a strategic screenshot along your journey and a listener poses a question that we're going to answer should you take a picture of your photo ID at 3.35, we asked the question, what makes you want to buy a ghost town? Cerro Gordo is high in the Sierra, a dream of the two guys who paid over a million dollars for coming, it. Now, coming up at 3.50, uh, we dig into the odds and ends file, and uh, we're going to talk about upcoming Broadway shows in San Francisco, and why your uh, plans and your pattern of summer visits to the Pacific Northwest needs to be moved a bit on your calendar. And which cities have the most expensive resort fees? Thank you for joining us. We are most grateful you have chosen to spend part of your Sunday with us. We are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. To Alaska, they go north to rush you zone. Yes, and let it all begin, the travel and entertainment guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, that's us, we're your hosts on a weekly basis, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Boy, it's been kind of a crazy day. Uh, you say it's been a crazy day, you've just been here in Sacramento. <laughs> yes, but I was living it vicariously <laughs> through through the text messages that, that started this morning uh, with Mark uh, saying that... Uh, he had flown home from Philadelphia, and he was in San Francisco, uh-huh. and that uh, he had just discovered that uh, the plane, the puddle jumper, that he was going to arrive here in Sacramento at a decent time, uh, had a mechanical issue. Mm-hmm. Take it from there, Mark, and yeah, tell and us how you managed to get to the radio station. Four for hours the show. and 20 minutes within in San minute Francisco. Half, within a minute and a half of broadcast. Actually, five hours and a half in San Francisco. Four mm-hmm. hours and 20 minutes delayed to catch up. Two bit airplane to come over here, you know. It's and it, it it's it's not. Here's the deal. This, this was United Airlines today, but this could be any airline except maybe Southwest because they don't have these stupid little feeder planes that they have to take care of all the time. And it's just the the feeder system into the the mainline flights at all of these carriers, United, American, uh, Delta, is all garbage. It's all run by secondary employees who don't have a clue to what's going on. Today, we were four hours and 20 minutes delayed, and they get ready to board the airplane, and you know what they discover? They have no flight crew, and they have no pilots, and no flight attendants. After a four-hour and 20-minute delay, they can't find the crew. <laughs> now, did, what, did they... Uh alert you to this fact after you were on the they plane? They didn't know. They didn't they didn't put us on the plane. They didn't alert uh, us to anything because they we were standing there and the only reason we knew it is the whole conversation was taking place in front of us. And <laughs> it's and again, this was United Airlines today, but I'm just telling you if you fly, if you make a connection, you're flying to a secondary city, you're going to hit hit one of these American Eagle, Delta Connection, United Express flights and you have to know that these are not run the same way 
as the mainline flights. They're not run by the same people. They're not run by the same airlines. SkyWest is what I flew on to get here, which is, you know, operated, SkyWest operated for United. SkyWest also operates flights for Delta and for uh, Alaska Airlines. They don't for American. American has uh, Envoy and American Eagle. So they've all got these secondary people who do a miserable job. And the thing is, they hire people based on who will work for twelve fifty an hour. So then when, the, when you have a problem, you have no adults in the room. <laughs> you have nobody who can who can answer yeah. a question or who says, hey, you know, it's a the delay has been X length. So we owe these people a meal voucher or mm-hmm. some kind of compensation that might go some tiny distance. Here's something really funny. United put a, a card out with snacks and bottles of water and stuff like that and then didn't tell anybody it was there. So their small gesture at public relations went amiss because they didn't anyway i could go on probably for 55 minutes as you could tell but it's 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 just the whole system is so and and the the passengers are so trapped because if you get mad at united you go fly on american you get mad on american you go fly on delta i mean you know at the end of the day there's only so many choices and there's not that much difference between all of them with the possible exception of southwest which doesn't have the same system, doesn't operate the same way. We're about mm-hmm, to point mm-hmm. that out here in the travel news. Anyways. With all that being said, since we're a travel show that's supposed to make people smarter travelers, uh-huh. give us a takeaway uh, for our listeners oh, wow. here. So, uh, other than, of course, in your situation, you you know, you know had an engagement at 3 o'clock this afternoon the here San on Francisco the San Francisco Soup Company is still a great place to get a bowl of soup oh, at okay. any hour in the San Francisco airport. Um the you know your options from San Francisco. Had we known that we were facing a four hour delay, right. we perhaps would have said, "Well, okay, how do we get to Bart?" And you take Bart downtown, and you get on the Capital Corridor train, which of course runs every hour, hour and a half back to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Some people go to San Francisco that way when they're going to fly to to get a nonstop out of San Francisco. They train the night before, stay out by the airport, take a, a free shuttle to the airport the next day. So, in this, that's kind of the challenge, Tom. Is that they kind of have us by the private parts. I mean, you, there's not not a whole lot of things that you can do. You know, I mean, no, it, it's you want to fly American or Delta to Los Angeles and then fly to Philadelphia or fly to one of the other connecting hubs. But the point here is that it's this secondary system that with lousy planes mm-hmm. and employees who who aren't paid to care, frankly. I mean, they're they're not paid to add anything to the situation besides getting the job done. What? Uh... What would be the scenario if you decided to just bail on them back then, four or five hours okay. ago, and then either rented a car or took the Capitol Corridor? If you, if you had luggage checked, if they are doing it right and yep. you don't board the aircraft, they have to delay the plane and take your bags off the aircraft. Okay. They generally don't do that. You can't go that. to them ahead of time and say, look, I've chose you, to you, not go. Can you, I have my luggage? You could. And then you'd probably, in a place like San Francisco, you'd probably wait an hour or an hour and a half yeah, for your okay. bags to come back. That's, <laughs> see, that's the other issue is that you get in one of those things and your choices are yeah. limited unless you're completely mobile. And in this case, uh, we weren't. Should we do the travel news? Let's do the travel news, which we do at the top of every Travel Guys radio show. And Mark, I am so pleased you're here uh, to do it. Yeah, that was kind of touch to and go. Yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> yeah, ran in the door here. Tom meets me downstairs at 2.57, so we didn't have a lot of March Fair. Travel news. Um, Hawaii is on sale. I have never seen the airfares this low to Hawaii, and they are not likely to be. Well, they are likely to stay low for a while because of the coming entrance of Southwest into the market. Here's what the other guys are doing. They're trying to get 
fares on the they're trying to get passengers on the books now. Mm -hmm. And so they're offering you rates that they believe will be at or perhaps even below what Southwest is offering. So you can kind of get um, at least to Maui and and uh, Honolulu to Kahului and, and Honolulu for less than 400 bucks. And the, the time after Labor Day is a particularly quiet time in Hawaii. The whales aren't there. The flowers aren't necessarily blooming. Um, so, it, But Hawaii is Hawaii 12 months out of the year, as far right. as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to have some really good fares um, to Hawaii, and maybe your favorite tour company will develop some other packages You know, in the springtime once we find out what these fares are and where they're going and how often and all that stuff. But we're going to have more Hawaii service. But in the meantime, you can take advantage of the fear of the other carriers who are serving Hawaii and Sacramento and scoop up uh, some of these great airfares, and I don't think they're going to go much lower than the 378, 398 that they're uh, that they're offering right now. Uh, let's see what else have we got. United has found another way to push uh, people like you and I, Tom, further back in the airplane. Your favorite, uh, your favorite airline. Yeah, my I favorite might, airline yeah. of the day here. Um, United is bringing preferred seating to economy class. Uh, in the fourth quarter of this year, what this means is that this will be mostly for their corporate customers, but basically it doesn't give them any extra leg room, but it gets them on the plane earlier. So means that their opportunity to get that coveted overhead space will be more guaranteed and the chances of you getting it, they're all going to be, these corporate people are going to be moved up into group two, if you know anything about United boarding. Premium customers, one, then their credit card people, and apparently it's going to include this group, too, and then the great unwashed come after that. So uh, most carriers have this, but th th the funny thing is everybody's fighting over who's first in line, and the airlines are just having a great time because they get money every time somebody pays to leapfrog over somebody. Then the guy who got leapfrogged over pays to get leapfrogged back over the other guys. So it's, it's a very advantageous. Let's all remember the airlines couldn't make money until they started charging ridiculous change fees, um, fares, money for seats, on, actual seats on the plane, and to check luggage. That's how they started making a profit. So, um, you know, it, it, it's easy to see where this has all come from. <laughs> okay, and then there you go. Southwest Airlines has decided that they will only allow dogs and cats to, splot, to fly as emotional support animals. Uh, beginning on September the 17th, the air airline will also limit customers. I didn't know this. They will limit them to just one emotional support animal and require the animal to be leashed or caged at all times. So apparently some people fly with multiple support animals. Well, you know. Uh, if, Depending uh, on your emotion, I guess. I, guess so, I probably yeah. shouldn't make fun of that. But it, it, it's uh, because some people have legitimate needs to have these these animals with them. But, you know, it really hurts the people who have legitimate service animals. So anyway, Southwest. No more, no more hamsters? Southwest says no peacocks. No peacocks. Uh, no hamsters. Uh, Delta, you know, stop letting pit bulls to fly, and, and uh, United did the same thing. So uh, it, Southwest says nothing about pit bulls or anything, but they are getting a little bit more restrictive, perhaps not as restrictive as the other carriers. Uh, shoot me for saying this, but if you're traveling with an animal, you probably want to consider Southwest Airlines. Now, keep in mind, now, I, did, I don't know if you saw it in there, Mark, but I read it earlier this week, uh, this similar article. Uh, dogs, cats... And miniature horses. And miniature horses, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I've seen them all, mm -hmm. but I've never, I've never run across a miniature horse, uh, never seen one on a, on a flight. But, the number uh, of animals in the airports has dropped significantly over what it was four months ago. I will tell you. So the rules that the airlines have set about in, 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 in mm -hmm. setting in place that are half, making people jump through more hoops to be to, so that only the really legitimate animals are getting into the cabin appears to be working. All right. 
So, and that is your travel news for today. When we come back after the news, we're going to talk about uh, taking pictures, the importance of your cell phone, and how it can help you when you're traveling on the road. We are the Travel Guys. I'm on my We're on our way. We are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Again, you can follow along with everything that we talk about here at TravelGuysRadio.com, including an opportunity to uh, podcast this show, uh, past shows, and someday we'll even fix it so that you can can podcast shows before they actually occur. We'll bother you every week, but only once. We're working on that. Yeah. (laughs) Podcast before the show actually occurs? Yes. That one slipped by me. Oh yeah, how yeah, do you? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 new technology. Luis, keep an eye on Romano over there because he's kind of slipping away uh, from us. All right, <laughs> time to make you a smarter traveler, Mark. Uh, you've got some information in regards to the best time uh, when it's advantageous mm-hmm. to to take screenshots. Ah. Now, you know, so, so the, a lot of people may not know what you're talking about unless mm-hmm. they're, you know, I know a lot of folks that have. Uh, smart devices, but when you say, would you take a screenshot, they're looking at all the buttons and trying to figure out which ones do I push to make that go. And it just depends on whether you have an iPhone or a or an Android. Uh, the, the technology is, is slightly different. And uh, if you have a friend... Yeah, that knows or, a gran- to, or a grandson. A grandson. Or granddaughter. That, that knows, you know, first opportunity, say, show me how to make a, take a screenshot. Yes. Go ahead. And it, and, and as you're, the point you're making is that we could tell people how to do it here on the radio, but your phone and my phone and Luis's phone, it would probably be different Yes. Uh, on each one. So th- the first thing you need to do is, if you don't already know this, and you travel with any regularity at all, learn how to take a screenshot from your phone. You already know how to take a picture, probably. So learn how to take a screenshot. Those screenshots are saved the same place your pictures are saved. Mm-hmm. Right there next to the picture of the puppy. And occasionally, you may even take a screenshot accidentally by having something up and you push the wrong button and you end up with a picture and you wonder, why did? how did I get screenshot that picture? Screenshot of your shoes. Exactly, exactly. So the, there's a couple of times when this is important and um, and I was in one of them today in San Francisco. Uh, originally, the flight that was scheduled that I was scheduled to take to Sacramento this morning was delayed due, a, due to a mechanical problem. Okay, so I look on the screen and it says due to maintenance issue and mm-hmm. our, our new departure time is eleven o'clock. So I immediately take a screenshot of that. Why? Because there was a low ceiling in San Francisco this morning. So it's entirely possible that you look at that screen twenty or thirty minutes later and it doesn't say delayed due to maintenance anymore. It says delayed due to. Uh, to weather conditions impacting our operations. Um, So that means it's weather-related, and now the airline owes you nothing, uh, whether they get you there or not. So um, it's whenever you see something, if you're looking on your cell phone or your iPad, uh, and you see, and and you're flying that day, or it's the next day, something, and you see something that is anything other than weather, if they're listing any reason for a delay that's different from weather, then you want to take a screenshot of it. Another example, you're, you're leaving Sacramento at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're flying to uh, Chicago. You're getting in at noon and you're connecting on a flight at 1 o'clock. Okay, so there are tons and tons and tons 
of flights feeding into Chicago. Now, your plane has probably started at 6 o'clock in the morning. It may have even started in Chicago. It may have made a couple of round trips already by the time you get there to small, close-in cities, pretending that you're connecting to a secondary city in Chicago. That flight has lots of ways to get messed up. It could, in the morning, let's pretend it was supposed to leave from its destination at 6 o'clock, and they had some kind of little maintenance issue. It didn't leave till 6.30. And it says, you know, delayed due to maintenance. But then it flies out to Madison, Wisconsin, and it has to fly back to O'Hare. And by now, there are thunderstorms in O'Hare. So now, when that flight is delayed from Madison, it says delayed due to weather. But the reality is that if the plane hadn't been delayed by maintenance in the first place, it might not be delayed by weather now. <laughs> so, the, so if the fact that you took a screenshot, I hope I'm not confusing people. No, too keep much going. I think if we're following. If you take a screenshot of a, as soon as you see that your flight is delayed for a reason other than weather, and the airline changes its tune later on down the road, you now have proof that the reason for your delay was caused by something the airline had control of, and therefore hotel rooms, uh, meal vouchers, things like that being rebooked come into play. Yeah, because they will owe you if it's a mechanical, yes. but by an act of God, whether uh, they don't. They don't, and that's the big difference. And they will bait and switch you by by telling you, well, look up there on the board, you can see, obviously, this is weather delayed. I mean, it's pouring rain outside. But then you can make the argument, yeah, but if you didn't have a mechanical earlier in the day, this flight would have never been here now, and we wouldn't have been in this weather, we would have been gone. And so I'm just telling you, take a screenshot. This really applies to a lot of things in life. You can make the, you can make the cell phone your friend. When you find a piece of information that you think is very favorable to you as a consumer, mm -hmm. then take a picture of it. And then later on, you have proof. Now, here was another idea that came up while I was uh, back in Philadelphia this week working on a, a, the next sports leisure vacation trip there, is uh, one of my buddies said, I take a picture of my photo ID. And put it in my phone. Because now if I lose my photo ID somewhere on the road and I've got to fly or I've got someplace where I've got to prove who I am, I've got my cell phone. It requires a code to get into. I, I'm the guy who can open it. And look, there's my ID inside. There's my picture. There's all the information. I'm going to talk to TSA about it. I'm sure they would not consider that an official ID. But if you lose your ID, there is a way to get on the plane without ID. They have questions they ask. They can check your address, things like that. But if you had something like that, would perhaps be of great value. Good good question. We'll have to uh, dig into that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just thinking that there's, there's a possibility there that uh, having a, a photo of your ID might be a way to have a backup ID in your telephone, and it, it would make some sense. I mean, folks would say, well, you know, somebody could steal your phone, yes, but they would have to hack into it to be, and then they would have to know that that was there in order to be able to get it. Yeah, you, you obviously want to make sure that you have uh, locked down your phone, that you have to use a password to get in. Uh, it has a short uh, go-to-sleep uh, uh, setting and yeah. uh, so that so that you're safe there. I don't think you necessarily want to put it as your home screen, no. um, you know, but I but I do think that there's there's some wisdom to that. And if if anybody has a reason, a strong reason why you shouldn't put your take a picture of your ID and put it on your phone, if you've got something that that tells us uh 921-1530 or 800-834-1530 if you have uh, a, something that that kind of because I've tried, I've thought about it for a couple of days, and I can't think of any reason why that wouldn't be just as safe as having your driver's license in your wallet. You can lose your wallet. Somebody can take it out of your pocket. Um, all of those wonderful things. You think, Mr. Romano? I agree. I agree. I, I was joking earlier about making it my screensaver. <laughs>
<laughs> you know what? We talked to some guys earlier this week um, who bought a ghost town uh, up in the Sierra Nevadas. I thought that was kind of cool. Actually, we talked to them, full disclosure, we talked to them last week and then had a really busy program last week and couldn't quite get to the uh, to, to the guys. What would make somebody buy a ghost town, do you think, Thomas? Well, uh, too much money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's intriguing. Yeah. You know, first of all, define ghost town. Uh, a place that's been totally or nearly totally abandoned at least once. Okay. Does it require having ghosts? Uh, good point. I will suggest to you that as a... Uh, a fairly new believer in in uh, spirit in the spirit world on some level that I would suggest to you that almost every ghost town has ghosts. You don't have to make it a qualification. They come with the pretty much come with the territory. Well, you know, um, and when we have when we play the interview back, it'll have uh, some stuff that we're not talking about. But you know, I think one of the things that we glean from this is that this is an opportunity uh, for it to be. Somewhat of a destination, mm-hmm. uh, and and somewhat uh, something that they're they're trying to save for posterity uh, to maintain the ghost town in in somewhat of a, a realistic uh, environment. Yeah, no, I I, I thought it's it, this is our interview that's coming up after the news, and uh, so if you've ever wondered what a couple of guys do, why would you want to buy a ghost town? Um, that's what we have. And you can, you can go to travelguysradio.com and see a number of links if you're interested before the interview even comes up. Uh, Tom, last week, we didn't talk about this on our program. It had happened the night, just the night before, um, the guy stealing the airplane in Seattle. Is that like one of the most bizarre things that you've ever seen in your life? I mean, we've only got half a minute here, but. That's very, very unusual. You know, in bottom line, and when this is all said and done, mm-hmm. the fact that they allowed anybody onto uh, an aircraft mm-hmm. uh, without any security on board uh, was he something... He had to taxi out to the runway and take off. Was um, something... <laughs> you know, I mean, and of course, the air traffic controllers are telling him, you know, they finally figured out who it was when he got out there. But anyways, after the news, ghost towns are coming up here with Tom and Mark on the Travel Guys. Thanks for joining us. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. We are the Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And remember, links to all of our guests can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com, along with lots and lots of information to make you a smarter traveler. Now, if you're a regular Travel Guys listener, you probably know that Mark Hoffman and Sports Leisure Vacations loves to go ghost hunting. Which brings us to our next guest, a guy that just uh, recently bought himself a ghost town. Mark, please introduce our guest. We found a ghost town entrepreneur, if if you will. Uh, John Beer, welcome to the Travel Guys, John. Thank you for having me. So, John, um, I got a whole list of questions here, but, of course, the first one I'm sure that everybody wants to know is uh, you and your, your partner, Brett, have bought a a ghost town. Why would somebody spend over a million dollars to buy something that's falling down in the middle of nowhere? Uh, it's interesting. We get that question a lot, and we felt like we had no choice but to buy it, that it was a huge bargain, that we got to own an iconic piece of American history um, for the relatively small price of $1.4 million, which is a lot of money objectively. It's also the size of, it's the price of a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. 
uh, and instead <laughs> we're, we get to we get to purchase something that it has endured since 1865. Wow! So so you've bought this ghost town. It's and we should tell folks. Uh, by the way, you go to travelguysradio.com and you can see some links and get some links and some information if you want to follow along with us here as we go to Cerro Gordo. Is that am I pronouncing it right? That is correct. Okay. And Cerro Gordo, if, if I've got it correctly here, is a little bit outside of Lone Pine, California. So for folks who are not geographic experts on California yet, uh, Lone Pine is a little bit south of Bishop. So if you get over to the eastern side of the Sierras and go south, you guys are just a, a little bit north of Death Valley, perhaps? That's correct, yeah. It's about 15 miles from Lone Pine. It's three and a half hours from Venice Beach, where I live. It's three hours from Vegas. It's close to to, to San Fran, relatively. I mean, it is uh, it is kind of smack in the middle of of, of everything. John, uh, tell our listeners what the ultimate plan uh, for Sarah Gordo Ghost Town that you just purchased. What's your what's your ultimate goal here? Well, uh, the first thing is to keep the integrity of the property and embrace the history of it. Uh, and to not let it fall into too much more uh, disrepair, and in fact improve the the buildings that that are falling into disrepair, and then uh, to build community. And what I mean by that is to to bring people there uh, to experience it uh, and make it a little bit more comfortable, so that people can experience the history and have uh, modern amenities and activities that they like to do and bring different groups of people. You know, I take a lot of lessons. I take salsa lessons. I take jujitsu lessons, lessons. I do meditation. Mm-hmm. And it's a good place to do all those things and to bring people that are interested in, in all of that. John, do you have plans for, I mean, is there going to be like a place to eat, a place to stay? I mean, will there be some, some services there ultimately? Is that part of your plan? I mean, there, there will be, and there already is. I mean, there's a there's a hotel, the American Hotel, that's been there since 1865 that was used until uh, 2005 or something like that. Uh, so we'll be upgrading all of that. There's multiple homes on the property. We'll be building new buildings with, with more modern amenities. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that you can do around there is free and doesn't need any improvement. You know, you could walk on the 340 acres on the property through the town, through the the areas that there's little, you know, entrances to mines and things. Obviously, you can't go into the mines. Dangerous. Um, but, you know, archery, bonfires, people connecting with their families, all that stuff is free. And uh, we'll have all of that. Well, uh, John Beer is our guest. He's the new owner of the Cerro Gordo uh, Ghost Town. And, uh, John, the question has to be asked, are there, you know, in the true word, are there ghosts in this ghost town? There's definitely, you know, because it was a mining town, I mean, there's over 300 people that have, yeah. that have passed on the property. And uh, only one that is... Uh, properly buried. Okay. Ooh, well, then we're we're there is no question. There is no question that Cerro Gordo has probably more than its share of ghosts. Uh, John, there's a, a little mining old mining town called Good Springs, um, which is down just outside of Las Vegas, and um, there is a commercial ghost hunt that uh, that 
that takes place there that we have participated in a couple of times is uh, fairly authentic and has taught us some of the ways that you can reach and talk to ghosts. And dare I say, I, I, I've gone from being a completely skeptical non-believer to thinking that eh, there might be something to this at, at, on, on some level. So um, so tell folks exactly where is Cerro Gordo. I mean, we, we've told them it's a little bit south of, of Lone Pine and stuff. Give us a, a little bit better geographic location if you can. Well, it's, if you're coming from, from, and I can't really, but if you're coming from Las Vegas, it's about 15 miles before Lone Pine, <laughs> and you turn in, in the town of uh, Keeler, and you turn off a road, and then for about 30 minutes, you'll be driving uh, on, the, on the property of Cerro Gordo up uh, to about 8,800 feet of elevation where the town rests. And uh, it's a spectacular drive. Many films have been filmed. Uh, along that drive, Steve McQueen has shot movies there. They filmed part of Iron Man 1 there and blew up one of our caves. Uh, it's visually stimulating, and I, I, I wish that drive went on even longer. I mean, it's really spectacular. Wow. Sounds, uh, sounds 8,800 feet. This is up a little ways. Oh, we're, we, we, we have snow in the winter, a lot of snow. Ah, uh, yeah. I <laughs> I would I would say so at at eighty eight hundred feet, uh, John. I truly wish you guys uh, wish you guys luck. Is there anything that we've missed? I encourage people to come up and see it, whether we're there or not. There's always a caretaker there on the property. Just come look around. We're not going to be open for business officially anytime soon, uh, but we will be there a lot. We'd like to hang out. We'd like to have a beer with you. Just. Uh, Come and visit us and experience this. I, I promise uh, your listeners will not be disappointed. John Beer is one of the new owners of Cerro Gordo, a historic ghost town in the southern Sierra. And, boy, I, Tom, I can't wait to get there. That's I know yeah. that sounds a little bit strange, but uh, <laughs> well, it's my, a my travel have patterns tend to be a little bit strange anyway. One final question from me, John. Uh, were, were there a lot of people bidding on this property when uh, when you and Brett uh, decided to go ahead and, and make the move on buying this? Was there a bidding war for... Uh, Gordo. It's a very good question. I'm glad you asked this. Uh, there were over 400 people looking to buy this property. And many of them, Holy I dare say cow. most of them, yeah, most of them paying in excess, sometimes far in excess of uh, what we were able to pay. Um, and we think we got a great deal on it also for, for that reason. But why uh, the owners ultimately agreed to sell it to us is that we came down there and we spoke to them and we told them what we wanted to do and we wanted to preserve the integrity of it, to tell the story. We wanted it specifically, precisely because of its history. And I think a lot of the other uh, potential buyers wanted to do something completely new with it. And uh, one of our obligations to this property is to keep that legacy intact. And I think the owners really resonated with that. And to their credit, took an offer that was much lower than the other offers in exchange for that. Wow, I'm glad I asked that question. That wow. re- that, a, that says a whole lot. It does. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's a great story. Uh, John, thanks for your time um, today. And I promise you, uh, when we get through the winter, uh, we're going to check back in with you and uh, see how see how progress is coming at Cerro Gordo. Would love that. You guys are welcome anytime. 
So, Thomas, have you ever, uh, would you buy a ghost town? I mean, assuming for a minute that you had accumulated a million foreign wealth while working at a radio station. Well, you know, uh, prior to this interview, I really hadn't thought much about it, but the entire time we were doing it, uh-huh. you know, it does sound intriguing. I think it would be a fun thing to do with, uh, you know, with, with some money. And then if you did it right, uh, there could be, there could be you know, a profit in it, but do you know, I found an article when I was researching this, there were some people who uh, apparently didn't come from John or his, his partner, Brett, but it, 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 there is a story online about how these, somebody was going to buy this and turn it into a pot haven, so to speak, or a, a a sixties throwback, I guess you would, you would kind of say where people could go and free love and all of that kind of stuff. But um, they didn't mention anything about that in the interview. And so it sounds like they're, they're, they're pretty legit guys. I mean, it seems like if you've got a million four to be able to throw away on a ghost town, I mean, that, that, that says something to you. It means you must have at least a million five. If you're fascinated by this subject, you mm-hmm. want to stay tuned uh, to the Travel Guys on a weekly basis because uh, Mark, uh, Mark, do you know what you, I should you're tell people? Follow up on this. We have a trip that go. I'm going to ghost towns in Nevada and out to Death Valley. Uh, my good friend Ramona Gooch from uh, Sports Leisure Vacations and I are going to co-escort a group the first week in Nevada. So if you like ghost towns, uh, you can go to sportsleisure.com and and first and you weekend can see when first week in November. November, okay. November and there's a a Forty Niners an old uh, 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 living history encampment in Death Valley. While that's going on, we're going to Rhyolite and uh, we're going to Belmont. This is different than the one that you've been doing down near Vegas. No, this is a this is Is a variation of the same thing. And we will go out and hunt ghosts out in the desert and stuff like that. If you've never been on a ghost hunt and you have any curiosity as to how they're done or anything like that, I can have you talking to ghosts in 20 minutes. Mark was a uh, somewhat of a naysayer until he got involved in this and. Uh, what was our friend uh, over there in Nevada that uh, oh uh, that, who, who, that started it who all? Who has for passed us? away? His name has escaped me just now. It'll come. It'll it'll come back to me. At any rate, uh, a great gentleman who was an entertainer for a lot of years, uh, entertained in Vegas, was a stand-up comedian, in fact. Uh, but uh, as a child, he had discovered that uh, ghosts would visit him on a regular basis, and so he would travel from. Uh, from place to place where he would do his Robert work. Robert Allen. Robert Allen, and he would, uh, while he was there in between comedy shows, he would visit the uh, the local libraries uh, and do research to find where uh, the ghosts were in that community, and then he would go and, and visit the ghosts. So anyway, uh, bottom line is Mark is no longer a naysayer, but somewhat of a and now he a is a, and now he is a ghost himself, Ch- a ghost chaser. Um, the man who who used to take That's us on right, our ghost yeah. hunts mm-hmm. um, is there's some evidence to indicate that he might be a ghost himself at some of the places he used to take people. So we will we will talk about that on our tour in november anyway if that's something that interests you um when we come back we're going to dig out the odds and ends file here and that means we're going to tell you about everything from some shows in san francisco we're going to give you an update on a guest that we had a few weeks ago called go go grandparent and we're going to talk a little bit about when is the best time to travel in the pacific northwest and i'm going to suggest to you that that may have changed a little bit over the last few years so comments on all of that we come back with the last roundup of the travel guys next by the way, uh, Sports Leisure Vacations, the underwriter of this uh, program, uh, 
has not scheduled any uh, trips to Kathmandu no. in 2019. So in case you were waiting for the the catalog to, to come out. By the way, uh, how's that coming, by the way? Oh, I, I've been in I Philadelphia. I said, by the way, twice. I, I? You did. Um, I've been in Philadelphia, which I just said twice, uh, for the last week. So my staff has been uh, working hard at home, and so now tomorrow morning I get thrown back into that. So yes, the Sports Leisure Vacations tour annual tour catalog will come out in September. Um, our preview day is on Saturday, September the 14th, is that right? Um, anyways, you can get, make, it's $10 to get in. If you're a mature traveler and you uh, are looking for a great travel company, you might consider Sports Leisure Vacations. It's a local company that's been around for 39 years and, uh, I happen to think does a pretty good job with travel. Hey, listen. Is it on a Saturday or a Sunday? Is it on a Saturday? So it would be, uh, September the 15th. You'd think I would know the date of that uh, of my okay. own company. Yeah, the yeah. 15th out at the uh, Crown Plaza out on Madison. You have to make reservations. It's a $10 admission, which is all donated to charity on the day of, of the event. And is there room still available? There is the limited end? space available. We take about 350 people for the morning and the afternoon, and I think there's like 15 spaces in the morning and 20 in the afternoon. So uh, you can give us a call at 361-8687 if you'd like to go. Uh, San, we promised folks we were going to talk about San Francisco. Um, just briefly here, uh, they've announced their next season of, you know, Sacramento has a Broadway series mm-hmm. and uh, San Francisco has one and uh, Reno has a Broadway series. So, you know, if you're looking for something or you miss something the first time around, it may be in one of those other cities. But there is a great show coming to San Francisco after the first of the year. And it hasn't played Sacramento yet. It probably will someday. It uh, comes from Broadway, where it's been very successful, although kind of on the second tier. You know, one of those shows that that opens and doesn't win a lot of Tony Awards or anything, but then as the year goes on, the buzz just keeps going, and the tickets just keep selling, and people keep talking about it. And that show is called Come From Away. It's a show um, that's going to be in San Francisco after the first of the year. It'll it'll have about a three-week run. And the theme of the show is... It's uh, the it, it takes place in Newfoundland, in Gander, Newfoundland, the day on 9-11 and the days immediately after. And some people would say, well, gee, I, I thanks, but I have no interest in another 9-11 thing. That's all sad and depressing. Not so much. Um, this is not about the planes crashing. This is about the stories of the people who were diverted on international flights and all found themselves in this very small Canadian community. And the people of the community who had to deal with the situation I'm um, keeping in mind that the only way really to get around um, transit-wise in Gander is on the public school bus, and they were on strike at the time of, that all of these planes started landing, I think 39 of them, jumbo jets. The reason they landed in Gander is because in the old days when you puddle-jumped across the Atlantic before they had super you know, jumbo jets, uh, Gander was one of the places that they would refuel, you know, refuel in, in uh Newfoundland, I mean, in uh, Greenland, and then you'd refuel again in Gander, and that would hop you down to Boston or wherever it was that you were going. So they have a huge airport there. It was very big during World War II as a staging area. So that's why all these planes were sent to Gander, Newfoundland. The folks in Newfoundland call us on a regular basis the come-from-aways. So they're an island nation off of the eastern, the northeastern Canadian coast. So they call visitors there frequently come from aways. So this show is called Come From Away. All of these folks who had no idea when they got on a plane that morning that they were going to end up in Gander, Newfoundland. And it is just terrific theater. I mean, it just is, you, you, if you like the theater, 
you should really go see it. I, I, it's, I just, I give it an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. It's just, it, I've been watching theater for probably about 25 years now, and I definitely put it in the top five, maybe in the top three, and if I thought about it long enough, it might be the best show I've ever seen. Um, the audience loved it. You will love it. It doesn't have a whole lot of racy language or uh, subjects that make you squirm in your seat, but it will make you think, and it will make you smile, and it will make you laugh. And it's a really good show. So Come From Away is in San Francisco um, in July. So, I mean in July, in January. Go see it. If you need a way to get there, Sports Leisure Vacations is offering a number of different dates. Now, this is uh, this is a Broadway play. Is it uh, a musical? It's a musical. It is. Yes, it's a musical. And it's really well done. And the music's a little different mm-hmm. um, because the music in Newfoundland is a little different. And so it's... It's got that kind of local flavor to it. Anyway, I just uh, I highly recommend that Come you take time away. to see Come From Away. I, I want to see that. If you can't get to San I'm Francisco, um, next time you see Richard Lewis walking around town, tell him that it should be uh, coming to Sacramento sometime soon. Okay, um, we wanted to talk for a minute here about summer visits to the Pacific Northwest. As a tour operator, um, we've, we visit the Pacific Northwest generally from June until late June until... October, mid-October. Um, in the last couple of years, we have shifted our schedule um, out of September and October and the last half of August up to the front half of August, mostly, uh, and July and even into June. Um, next year, we're going to do that even more so, and I've recommended to other my other tour operator buddies that they consider doing the same, and the reason is because of this fire season. Um, the fire season is not likely to change. This is not something that's going to get better next year. It might get better on an annual basis, but it won't get better on a long time basis. There's going to be more wildfires, and the deeper you get into the summer season and the warmer it gets, the more chance there's going to be that a fire is somewhere in an area that's going to dramatically impact your trip. Now, you can take cancellation insurance or protection, but here's the deal. If you're going into an area where there's a fire, we've had experience with the insurance companies on this the last couple of years, the travel insurers, and what they tell us is that you, they're not going to pay off on a policy if you tell them that, well, I have a breathing condition and I, I shouldn't go here. You have to go there, have the problem, and then collect. So really, the best thing to do is avoid the problem. I suggest to folks that you consider your Pacific Northwest vacations. Uh, you might have thought before that May was kind of early and the weather might be kind of cool up there. But remember, the weather pattern has changed a little bit. And you might find that late May, about Memorial Day, we had some great weather in the Columbia River Gorge on the week after Memorial Day this year. So uh, because of this fire situation, I strongly recommend that uh, British Columbia would be included in this. Alberta, up in the Canadian, they've had this wildfire situation also going on. So Oregon, Washington, Northern California, Idaho, uh, Montana, I would all put into, uh, if you're going to Glacier National Park or you're going to Yellowstone, go early in the season. So, you know, normally you would be looking at wanting to go during the shoulder seasons, but because of what you're talking about in regards to the uh, the wildfires mm-hmm. and so forth, you're, you're going to, it's worth moving it up. The shoulder seasons are going to change. Uh, the shoulder seasons are going to move, and October is going to, sep- uh, ultimately, September will become more of a shoulder season, mm-hmm. because if people, uh, listen, I'm not the only person who's saying this, so this is not a, a brand new idea, and I'm not the only guy who has it. So it, 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 it is something that I think we're going to see a real shift in tourism arrivals in the Pacific Northwest, and it's going to come earlier in the season, which means there may be some great rates later in the season as time goes on. So there you go. Um, we have at TravelGuysRadio.com a list of all of the uh, places that are charging for their 
uh, resort fees and urban destination fees and stuff like that. So if you're traveling to a major U.S. city, particularly if it's a city that is known for being friendly to tourists like Orlando or uh, something like that, why you may want to look and see. Uh, sometimes you can stay in a neighboring community, especially when you think of Orlando, maybe Kissimmee or something like that, to be able to avoid those resort fees. So be educated and don't give your money away to uh, the hotel system for free. And every time you run into one of those resort fees, just let the people on the other side of the desk politely know how you feel about it. And if you can take the time to let the hotel people know, um, then maybe perhaps one of these days we will get something changed. So, Thomas, it looks like we are headed for the last lap here of the Travel Guys for this Sunday. All right. Well, I'm sure you're going to be glad to... uh find your way home after being gone for a week uh next week on the travel guys we're going to be talking to a gentleman who is uh, an avid burning man goer absolutely burning man is coming up have you ever been to that time no no i, I haven't i kind of like to, i but... live vicariously through other people who have been to burning man let's so... do that next week next week here on the travel guys please join us at three o'clock thanks for listening remember dance like nobody's watching stay well my friends see you next time